it, it is, I think, a fictitious effort to try to characterize a particular customer as an online customer, a brick-and-mortar customer. When we are all omnichannel. We walk in the store with our phone on the hand. We leave the store empty-handed because we know that we can order when we are home or the other way around. We are at home, we find something we like, so I'm going to go to the store and check it out. And I think that the retailers need to be aware of this. Welcome to The Ripple Effect, the podcast that takes you on a journey through the minds of Wharton faculty. I'm your host, Dan Loney, and in each episode, we'll be diving deep into the inspiration behind the groundbreaking research that Wharton professors have conducted and exploring how their findings resonate with the world today. So get ready to dive into new ideas with The Ripple Effect. In today's ever-evolving marketplace, where do you find yourself most drawn? Is it the digital allure of online carts or the age-old charm of physical aisles? The rhythm of our shopping clicks echoes louder than ever, painting a portrait of our generational identities. Baby boomers with memories of store counters and paper receipts often intertwine the tactile with the tech, savoring both online convenience and in-store nostalgia. But as we move down the generational ladder to those who are raised amidst Wi-Fi signals, the question arises, do they also yearn for the whispers of a bygone shopping era, or do they ride the forward pulse of digital commerce? To help us decode these questions, we are joined today by Santiago Galino. Well, when we go to buy things these days, e-commerce seems to be one of the biggest players in the marketplace. But what makes the difference for online retailers in order to be successful? Santiago Galino is an associate professor of operations, information, and decisions here at the Wharton School. Santiago, great to see you again. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. It feels like this is just an ever-evolving world right now around retail. With all that's going on, all the new technology, the mindset of the companies, the mindset of the consumers. It, it feels like we're in a process right now where retail has really changed a lot for the for the betterment of the of the public, I think. Yes, no, I, I agree. And I think that uh, this is not new to retail. I think retail, if you think uh, as an industry, is constantly evolving. What I think is new, and probably what you're pointing to, is the pace. And I think that these days, the changes that we're seeing in, in the retail industry require the companies and the consumers to keep up with all the changes that are happening to to stay to stay relevant and 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 be and be successful. All right, so you talk about two aspects there, one being the consumer, the other being the company. Mm -hmm. Let me start with the consumer first because I think we've gotten to the point right now where the expectation of the consumer is better, faster and the experience has to be as good as possible. Yes, yes. I, I think that, that that's probably what is driving most of the changes. I think that the consumer expectations are as high as ever. And this is in part because companies have been making a lot of changes that benefit consumers. And and, and I think we're, we're at, at an interesting point because the retailers now need to look back and make sure that they're able to make a profit while fulfilling those expectations and sometimes exceeding those expectations. And I think that if you focus on online uh, retailing, there was a lot of effort to get things faster, more assortment, uh, free returns. And all these things are great for consumers. They're very happy, but we're starting to see that some retailers are struggling to see how they can sustain some of these things. And so I think it's interesting what's gonna happen next in terms of keeping the consumer happy, keeping it engaged, but also 
being aware of what is the bottom line of the business. How then has that changed the overall mindset of the company in terms of delivering all of that? And I think I would assume that we're talking about everything from the experience right in the store or online all the way down through delivery and the operational as well. Yes. So I think that today the companies need to be smarter about the different offerings that they give to, to consumers. Because like you were mentioning before, these high expectations can be uh, composed by a lot of different parts. And some of those parts are essential to the consumer and some are nice to have. And that's when the retailer can be smart about it. And in recent years, one thing that we've seen from retailers is that they also became more sophisticated in their analytics capability. The way they mine into the data that consumers are providing to them to be able to make these judgment calls in what is those things that need to happen and what are those things where they can be a little bit more sloppy or, or relax <laughs> the, the standards and still have the customer being happy and they are able to make a profit out of it. So that's an element of the technology advancements we've seen play out here in the last decade or two. And from a technology standpoint, We've obviously made great leaps in the last two decades or so, but it still feels like we have a long way to go. Like there will be more and more advancements, AI being maybe the next one as we move forward over the next few decades. Yes, I, I think it's, 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 a, it's like a moving target, right? So if you think about the transition to online uh, retailing, that's that happened now many years ago, but now more than 40% of the transactions happen from smartphones. And that put another stress into, okay, how I interact with the consumer now is seeing my assortment interacting with my company in a smaller screen on the go while commuting, which is something that is different from what the online experience was maybe five, 10 years ago. So then when you think about the operational side, then you have to focus on the website uh, the accessibility of all the different products that people are looking for, the speed at which that website takes you through that process because if the consumer doesn't have that optimum experience, then you're potentially talking about lost consumer, lost revenue to the company longer term. Yes, yes, that's right. And in fact, the, we work with uh, some colleagues on a paper that actually looks at that. And we found that a 10% slowdown on the website speed can cause like 4% lower sales and 2% reduction in conversion. And that, I think it's, it's interesting, but connecting to what I was mentioning before, we also look at how that impact of speed is different in the different steps of the customer journey. So it's not the same if you have a slowdown when you land on the page, when you're searching for the product, compared to when the website slows down at the checkout point. In fact, at the checkout point, slowdowns are much more uh, damaging to the customer experience. And this is what I was mentioning that Companies need to be smart because it's not that you you say, well, in an ideal world, I want to make my whole website be faster and, and, and more efficient. Right. But sometimes that can be too expensive. So being smart about where to put your, uh, your investment and where to put the focus can be critical. What about the delivery component after that purchase is made as well? Because that's obviously been a, a big focus of a lot of companies. And I think Amazon is probably the one that has probably made the biggest investments in terms of making sure that that last mile is, is, is a uh, vital component for them. Yes, I, I think that that's 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 an interesting question because I think that many retailers for for the last few years have been chasing Amazon in this effort, and Amazon has been amazing at achieving that customer service uh, 
uh, exceeding expectations sometimes in terms of delivery speed. But this, again, in my in, in my experience and in my research, shows that it is not a blank policy that should apply to all product categories, even to all customer circumstances. There are some customers that are more planning uh, in their purchases, uh, and so they're happy to wait two, three, four days. And that, on the operational side, has a huge impact. It's not the same cost, not the same stress to the supply chain to deliver something the next hour, the next day, but a week from now. And sometimes the same customer is willing to change one or the other. And now we are seeing retailers offering those options. And the customer expressed the option. And with that, it is a, I think it's an opportunity for a win-win, the customer and the company. And, and I guess it's part of the reason why we've also seen uh, companies, and when you think about the holiday retail season, companies push out the length of where they want to see that consumer think about holiday shopping, you know, into early October in many cases. Yes, in, indeed. And I think that the holiday season is interesting because it put to a stress test to all the operations, like in terms of the delivery options and also in the store execution. Some of the, I think, peak in stress on the online business is because many retailers start to stock out in the physical stores. And so customers that are looking for a particular doll to, 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 or a particular uh, toy for their for, for their kids, they really stress out and they start to put those orders online. And I think that in part is a manifestation of this challenge that retailers have to have a coordinated strategy both online and in stores. Obviously, a lot of these companies have had to take an omni-channel approach uh, to be able to have success because there are so many touch points that are out there for them to try and reach the consumer right now. Yes, yes. And I, I think it's important for those uh, for those retailers to keep in mind that customers are omnichannel. And, and, and in that sense, it, it is, I think, a fictitious effort to try to characterize a particular customer as an online customer, a brick-and-mortar customer. I mean, we are all omnichannel. We walk in the store with our phone on the hand. <laughs> we leave the store empty-handed because we know that we can order when we are home or the other way around. We're at home, we find something we like, and say, I'm going to go to the store and check it out. And I think that the retailers need to be aware of this because, for, 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 for example, the customer will arrive to the store with a lot more experience and knowledge about the product because it's been searching and, and, and finding information online before it arrives to the store. The level of disruption then in, in retail right now, significant it feels like that we've seen play out in, in the last decade or two, but still the potential for more disruption as we move down the road? I think so. I think where we haven't seen all the disruption uh, roll out, I think that there are still retailers that will be able to navigate successfully and transform and convert. That's always my hope. I like to see companies being able to reinvent themselves. Uh, also, unfortunately, we're going to see some uh, some more disruptions and some big players uh, failing, unfortunately. But this is the nature of retail. And this goes back to what we talked at the beginning, that retail by, na- by its own nature is constantly evolving. And, 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 and that's why it's fun for me to do research on this industry. What do you think it means for bricks and mortar? Uh, in the retail sector moving forward, because that there for a while there, uh, the death of a bricks and mortar retail was being forecast. Obviously, the focus on the big malls here in the United States is one area, but it does feel like there may be a path where where bricks and mortar can still stay viable even with the online component. Absolutely, and I think there are two parts of that. One is that 
finding customers online is getting more and more expensive. And so when the companies do the math, the physical store becomes an attractive and viable way to make your brand known to customers, have the opportunity to attract new customers compared to what is these days more expensive uh, eyeballs on the on the internet. The other part is that where I think is the interesting component is that brick and mortar has the opportunity to bring that experience to the customer that is possible but harder to do online. And I think that if you look at which retailers has been successful uh, these days are those that in their own category with their own constraints have been able to bring that experiential component to the customer that wants to travel to the store because it likes to navigate the aisles and find those deals there. It would like to interact with the customers in the store, like peers buying and searching for products and have that discovery uh, exercise, or simply because it's much more efficient to go there, find what I want and get out of there as soon as I can. The experience has different uh, flavors, but I think that that experiential component is key these days. But doesn't that make it make it even more challenging when you think about this from a generational standpoint? I mean, baby boomers, you know, expected one thing and they've had to adjust to this digital world. The younger generations basically have come into it and their true experience is digital with that component of bricks and mortar kind of as a side piece, it feels like. Uh, that that's true. And talking to many retailers, they had pointed out to something that I think is to me very interesting. That what you say is one hundred percent true. The new generation is much more digital, much more invested in their online experience. However, and for that reason, when they go to the store, the human contact can have a huge impact. Because if you're having a coffee with friends, you are more of an older generation. You constantly talk to people, and you are in in interaction. But the younger generation, maybe they have a handful of conversations with real people a day. And that's why the impact of that conversation, if it's well, uh, if it's well planned and in, in a nice context in a store, can have a much better impact. So is it a surprise then when you see some online companies, Warby Parker being one, that start out online, but then they bring in the bricks and mortar component a little bit later down the road? Yes. No, to me, I mean, it, it makes complete sense. And, and you see that many of those uh, companies that started online, they, at the beginning, they were arguing they will never go offline. There yeah. was no need for brick and mortar. But then they discovered that with the right strategy, they can combine the best of both worlds. And some of them have a ball with the physical presence that is like a showroom. So they don't need to carry inventory because they want to have a focus on the experiential component, like Bonobos is an example, but Warby Parker the same way. I think that it is it is not a competition between the two. It's just to try to find the right balance and ultimately make a profitable proposition to, to the customer. But doesn't it also then really put a focus on the company and how it runs on a day-to-day basis from an operational perspective to make sure they are as efficient as they possibly can be. Because it feels like we're at a point right now where retailers, if they make a mistake, it's very hard for them to come back from it to be as successful as maybe they once were. And absolutely. And I was talking with with, with a retailer actually yesterday, and I think we, we come up to the conclusion that with all these changes, with all the innovation, it's still true that retail is detail. And so this is, this is, this is I mean, something that was true 100 years ago, and it's true today. And this is exactly your point. I think that execution is key because in many, industry, in many industries, the margins are 
big. Yeah. Retail, with all these competitive forces, all the changes that were t- tend to have very thin margin. So it's a, it's, it's a story where details are key. What does this then, this period of time, then maybe tell you about where retail is going or where retail has to go in the years ahead? Yes, yeah, so I think that the, the the years ahead should put a focus on these details. I think that in, in my in, in my in my mind, there's been for many companies like a rush to offer uh, everything to the customers without thinking: Can we sustain this over time? Can be, can we be profitable with this? Do customers really need all these that they're asking? Right. And I think that these days we're seeing. Again, going to 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 the analytics and, and 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 being smart about how to read the data that the retailers are extremely rich in data, they can be able to walk back and see what is these uh, details that they need to tweak to make to to make the company successful. So I think that going forward, we're going to see more of these changes that will tweak things in order to make the company more uh, efficient and hopefully translate those efficiencies to the customers. I, one example for is, is returns. I think that online returns is a is a pain point for any online retailer. Yeah. And, and I think that it's being very generous, the policy, but many companies are starting to revisit that and see how they can uh, still keep customers happy, but without being naive about the whole process. Are, are more companies then finding areas, finding those little areas where, as you said, with returns, maybe they change the philosophy a little bit and it helps their bottom line, but it doesn't have a significant impact on the relationship with the consumer. Looking for those ways to be able to, to make that fine cut. Yes, I, I think so. And one, one other area that I hope that we see more changes is in staffing. I think if you think about the, the, the two main investments that retailers have, is like their inventory, the assortment that they carry, and the people in the store. And I think that with these call for an experiential component. Yeah. I think that many retailers should rethink how they train, they retain, and they keep their own staff uh, being able to provide that high experience that customers are expecting. Santiago, great to see you again. Thanks very much. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. Santiago Galino, Associate Professor of Operations, Information, and Decisions here at the Wharton School. Thank you for listening to The Ripple Effect. We hope you found this episode informative and engaging. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review so that we can continue to bring you the best insight from the Wharton School.